It's been only weeks since the Civil War ended. The war that saw brother fight against brother has finally ceased, and as a previously imprisoned Union soldier, you're relieved and grateful to be on a vessel headed for St. Louis. Never mind the overcrowded ship and overflowing banks of the Mississippi, you're one step closer to being reunited with your family, and that's all that matters. Until you're caught in a catastrophic explosion that robs you of your reunion and becomes one of the greatest tragedies of the Civil War that almost no one will remember. Uh, I think I know where this is going. Oh, it's a disaster. I'm so intrigued. Uh, just wait, it gets worse. We are just the masters of disasters, aren't we? Calamity Janes. Welcome to Calamity Janes, the disaster podcast where two anything but plain Janes, uh, well, we talk about disaster. Um, that's, that's kind of it. I'm Bailey. I'm Madison. What is our disaster today, Madison? We are going to talk about the Sultana disaster. Sultana? Sultana. I will probably accidentally say Sultana at some point, but based off the YouTube video I watched, it is Sultana. Like S-U-L-T? Yes. Like Sultan? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Copy that. Okay. Let's sail away. Are you ready? Come sail away. Yes. Sorry. Okay. The year was 1865, and life was starting to look up a bit. Well, unless your name was Abraham Lincoln, in which case you were just shot in the head 12 days before this. But, I know. Anywho, by this point, the war was winding down, and Union soldiers were eagerly starting to make their way back home. On April 26th, 2,137 passengers, including crew, several women and children, and many, many Union soldiers boarded the steamboat Sultana near Memphis, Tennessee. The Sultana was under the command of Captain James Cass Mason and regularly ran between St. Louis and New Orleans. On April 15th, the boat was docked in, uh, I want to say Cairo because it's spelled like Egypt, but it's in Illinois. Sure. Wouldn't it? be still Cairo? I think I would. That or spelled the same. Or Cairo. I'm not sure because, well, okay, after. Oh, like Cairo syrup? C-A-I-R-O. Let's go with Cairo. Okay. Uh, I mean, after living in Kansas for so long and I heard Nevada pronounced. Just, what? Yeah. It's <gasps> spelled like Nevada, but it's pronounced Nevada. And that is El Dorado. So... I can't, I can't handle it. But I was constantly told I was wrong. So hey, it's like Amarillo here. But it's so funny that you say Nevada because Nev- Nevadians will get mad at you if you say Nevada, I know. as opposed to Nevada. Yeah, and Nevada, Nevada, yeah, Nevada is just a total butchering of the word. Exactly, and then going from Arkansas to Kansas. The Arkansas River. Oh, oh God, that one still cuts deep. But I digress. Anywho, (laughs) on April 15th, the boat was docked in Illinois when news of Lincoln's assassination hit the press and Captain Mason decided to head south to spread the news since telegraphic communication with the South had been almost completely cut off because he apparently took it upon himself to spread the horrible news of Lincoln's demise. Okay. Is that... I wonder if that was like normal at the time. Like, hey, I got a got a boat. I'm gonna go spread the 
news. I the real chat. No, it doesn't really sound like he had much to gain by doing that. But I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. But apparently, maybe he was just a busybody. But he was a lot of things. I can tell you that. Trying we'll get into it. Goss. Okay. So hot. Spill the tea, as the kids say. <laughs> Yes, the kids do say that these days. (laughs) Once he reached Vicksburg, Mississippi, Captain Reuben Hatch, the chief quartermaster in Vicksburg, ran into Mason and was like, hey, do you like money? And Mason was like, duh. So Hatch ran a plan by Mason. At this time, the U.S. government was willing to pay – I saw some different amounts here, but I'm just going to run with this because this is what Wikipedia told me. They were willing to pay $2.75 per enlisted man – and $8 per officer to any steamboat captain who took a group north from the prison camps near Selma. So that's like $11 billion today. Exactly. <laughs> $11 billion today. Interesting. So they enlisted the help of commercial, presumably commercial anyone. riverboat. Any, anyone. Oh, any, literally anyone. You literally got, anyone. You got two oars. Take these people up north. Exactly. Hatch knew that Mason needed money, so he suggested that he could guarantee Mason a big old load of Union prisoners if Mason agreed to give him a kickback. Because there's nothing better than capitalizing on the lives of imprisoned soldiers at wartime. Am I right? You really take for granted, I really take for granted all of the groups and systems, like governmental groups that that would take care of this, right? Like the National Guard mm-hmm. or the... Who- we don't Peppers. think about these things because these things no. typically do not happen this way anymore. Yeah. There's like a formal group and... For good way- reason. Yeah. Yeah. So that there's not people taking advantage of the government putting bounties essentially on the heads of mm-hmm. soldiers. That is veterans at this point. Exactly. So Mason agreed, and we were off to the races with a promised 1,400 passengers. Uh, That's how much Hatch. 1,400. Yeah, Hatch promised him 1,400 soldiers or officers. Um, So Mason and the Sultana then made their way down to New Orleans, continuing to spread the news of Lincoln's assassination, because apparently that was still the cross he chose to bear. Uh, On April 21st, they left New Orleans with about 70 cabin and deck passengers, a wee bit of livestock, and a crew of 85. After a few hours of travel, one of Sultana's four boilers threw a hissy fit and sprang a leak. But she soldiered on and made it to Vicksburg for repairs and to pick up her litter of prisoners. What's the capacity on this... Uh, boat. We are going to get to that in just a minute. But that is a really okay. good question. Let's table that. it sounds that. like we got a lot of people. It does sound like we have a lot of people. Now, Bailey, I'll let you guess what happens next. Do you think that A, Mason was a responsible ship captain and waited the necessary amount of time for essential repairs to be done on his boat before picking up 1,400 tired and desperate prisoners? Or B, he did something that landed him on this glorious podcast 156 years later? Um, I will say you kind of biased the answer, so I'm going to go with B, Greedy Gus. Yes. You are so smart. So, so smart. Okay, I don't need your patronizing me. Captain Mason and his chief engineer convinced the mechanic overseeing the vessel to make Band-Aid-like repairs while taking on the prisoners over the course of a day. In addition to the inadequate repairs, a mix-up, I'm doing finger quotes for those who can't. I cannot see your finger quotes. (laughs) I just see you like generally waving your hands and I'm like, why are you? 
Mix up. These are my finger quotes. Okay. Here they are. I still only see one finger on either side. Looks like you're okay. Here's my finger quotes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, in in addition to those inadequate repairs, there is a mix up, aka bribing, of the union officer in charge of loading. Uh, that put more than 1,900 prisoners on board. So, 1,900? He's supposed to pick up 1,400. Yes. In total, the Sultana was boarded with 1,960 paroled prisoners, 22 guards, 70 paying cabin passengers, and 85 crew. That's a total. Oh, there were also people who paid to be on this? There sure were. Yes. Oh. That's a total of 2,137 people. Now, want to guess how many she had a legal capacity for? Just take a wild guess. 1,376. <gasps> That's atrocious. Yeah. We were way over capacity. So 1,400, was, that was... It was already uh, bad. Already bad. And we... Added just, I mean, like a third. I don't. What is math? What are numbers? We had a lot more than that. Yes, we. Yeah, there are like eighteen hundred more people on this boat than there are supposed to be. I can't believe there are paying. If as a paying passenger, I would get on that boat and be like, "It looks like we have some other things going on right now. I'll hit you back when maybe there's less of." this yeah this looks a little chaotic maybe you should handle this exactly. catch you on the next ride it, i am not really sure what went through anyone's head well okay any paying Wait. passengers <laughs> yeah so the boat was so overloaded the deck began to sag and creak and the crew had to prop it up with wooden beams but <laughs> yeah i can see the anxiety building on your face because after months and months of brutal violence, starvation, and despair, that's exactly what you're looking forward to on your trip home. Yeah. I mean, oh, I guess you really don't have any other option. You're like, Mm-mm. well, I have no home. I have no means of living and existing here. Yeah, because so either... they've been paroled, so they still are not really in charge of getting back home yet. So, yeah, it's not good. What they didn't paroled from the camps? Yeah, because they were in Southern Territory. But that's such a strange... It seems like parole wouldn't even be a thing because wouldn't the camps have, like, not exist? They were kind of no I think it was winding with. down. I don't think everything was totally done yet. Oh, I, I guess, will, yeah. I will Just be the, the very... Way the word traveled and stuff. Yeah, I will be the very first to say I am not a Civil War expert. In fact, I know very, very little about the Civil War. <laughs> Do not quote me on any of this. I'm sure there are some people who are just screaming into the the void about this. But all of the Civil War enthusiasts, yeah, because they were being boarded onto the ship. It doesn't sound like very many of them had a choice in how they were getting back to wherever they were supposed to be going back to. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like, listen, you want to get home? This is how you got to get home. Exactly. The only way to get home. Let's go. Yeah. Before someone changes their mind. Yes. The Sultana clawed tooth and nail with her crappy boiler through one of the worst spring floods in the Mississippi's history for two days. Because now they're going upstream mm-hmm. in the Mississippi mm-hmm. with way too many people on it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. And a bad boiler. Bad boiler and a... Is it is it any more rough because of the rains? Like, it's yes. Not just like they full. said it was... 
Yeah, it was so full that it had expanded. It overflowed its banks, and so it was going over really uneven ground, and it was over trees. And so it was like the water was swirling around underneath them. Yeah, it was very bad. But trudge on. Yes. That's the logical thing to do. Mm Mm-hmm. At 7 p.m. on April 26, she reached Memphis, where the crew unloaded 120 pounds of sugar from the hold. About not two, enough. Not no, enough. Definitely not. About 200 men were left behind for whatever reason. I truly don't know. Uh, but around midnight, the Sultana soon departed again. Something Only, tells me those men were lucky ducks. Oh, extremely. Only a mile or so up the river, she took on a new load of coal from some barges and started north again. Why? Yeah, why? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Greedy. Greedy, greedy people. Uh, or maybe that's what they thought they needed to, to continue on their journey. But I, it does not sound like that stop was incredibly necessary. The math doesn't check out, though. You gotta... Uh, didn't you notice that the ship was like, oh, thank goodness, we're getting all that extra weight of it. It's like, yeah. okay, I can do this. No, not more. Yeah. Around 2 a.m. on April 27th, as tired soldiers lay across each other on the overloaded decks, trying to sleep over the sound of the cold, rushing water beneath their boat, there was an explosion. Only, of course. Only seven miles north of Memphis, one boiler exploded, quickly followed by two more only a split second later. The massive explosion originated in the top rear of the boilers and emanated upwards at a 45-degree angle that obliterated the crowded decks directly above it and the pilot house. So not only is this sudden, terrifying, and tragic, now there's no one to steer the boat. Oh, Captain was in the pilot house, mm-hmm. so he's, he's gone. Yes, just in, his, in an instant. It was a bomb, basically. Cool. Uh, and that had to have taken out a lot of people. I mean, just how densely mm-hmm. packed that boat must have been. Hundreds that had to have, in a second. Yeah. Some passengers were thrown into the water by the explosion. The two smokestacks that towered over the vessel, because this is a steamship, um, so it has two smokestacks up top. It it looks like a riverboat. Like, this is not a, a Titanic That's what I'm situation. Like a, like, I'm envisioning a gambling boat. Like, yeah, that's not wrong. Uh, so the two smokestacks that towered over the vessel toppled, one into the water and the other onto the crowded upper deck, collapsing onto the middle deck and trapping many inside. What's worse is the collapsing decks formed a slope down to the exposed furnaces that created a self-feeding fire situation that really didn't make anything better. Self-feeding fire uh, doesn't sound great. Not nope. going to sugarcoat it. It sounds terrifying mm-hmm. um and out of control incredibly sustainable but not in a good way no no not in a good way despite their best efforts many of those that sought shelter from the flames in the water quickly became tired and many people drowned in groups trying desperately to hold on to each other of course because it's the mighty mississippi and it's overflowing it's tumultuous yeah so that was a lot are you okay? Dare I ask if there, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered if there were any safety precautions. Life vests? Who? Oh, not a her. single source talked about what, oh God, it was just so screwed up from the very beginning. Okay, here's the slightly better part. What do we love when disaster strikes? Uh, do-gooders. Yes. Helpers. Yay. Humans helping other humans. We do love a good helper story. At 2.30 a.m., 
That's about 30 minutes after the explosion. The southbound steamer, uh, Bostona, obviously Boston related, uh, who was conveniently on her maiden voyage post repairs, arrived and immediately began taking on a ton of survivors. Excellent. Yes. People began floating past the Memphis waterfront yelling for help. This caught the attention of literally everyone, and many, many docked steamships and warships began rescue efforts. How could you miss them? I mean, even if they weren't yelling, how do you miss yeah. carnage like that? I know. Many, oh, this is cool. Many survivors wound up on the Arkansas, aka Confederate, side of the river, and they were saved by locals, because Memphis is right across from, or where this happened was right across from. Hold on, I need to look at a map. I, I, why did I not know? You said Arkansas River. No, this is the Mississippi River. There's an Arkansas side where they are. One side is Arkansas. The other side is Tennessee, I think. Please hold. Sure enough. How about that? Those two states are by each other. Yes. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) And wouldn't you know, the Mississippi separates them. Yeah, I just never think about Memphis being uh, that, like, on the border with Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Huh. And I don't think I knew it was on the Mississippi either. Yes. Big time. Huh. Well, what do you know? So many of the people that were in the water wound up on the Arkansas side. These are Union soldiers. Arkansas was Confederate. And they were saved by locals. Some even made rafts to reach those that were stranded on the boat as the flames closed in. So there were Confederate or people in Confederate territories risking their lives to save Union soldiers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, and they, I saw at least one story where like a single group of people saved at least 25 soldiers that were stuck in a particular piece of the boat uh, that was on fire. So... They, humans helping other humans. We love to see it. Sure do. How does one even approach, I mean, getting close to a boat that is on fire where people are trapped? Uh, Like, what what does that even look like? I don't know. I wasn't there. I couldn't tell you. You weren't? I wasn't. I'm so sorry. But you've been telling the story with such precision and accuracy. (laughs) I feel lied to. I'm so sorry. Forgive me, please. Just so you know, I also wasn't there for the, uh, like... Apollo 13 either? I know. Did you lie about that, too? I did. And all the volcanoes. I wasn't there for any of it. It's almost like I don't even know you. Like, I didn't know you were born in 1996. Not the year I was born, but... It's not? No. Oh, I was six, so it was 1995. What is wrong with you? Um, I'm bad at math. Yeah. How? Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Whatever. You're you're basically a zillennial. Is that the right word? Yeah. I'm in the very last year for millennials. Yeah. But I'm honestly, I'm having a hard time identifying with any group because... <laughs> Are you having a general generational identity crisis? I kind of am. I've just acted so old for so long. Oh, I you went have. to Target the other day and I just found myself thinking, I'm too old to wear so many of these clothes. It's just, that's how I felt. I'm only 26. I'm newly 26. Okay, I can't get into this. I'm having an existential crisis. We we simply must move on. Yeah, for the record, though, she was, I like in high school, mom was telling this story. Oh, at a, We had a choir concert in a church. And so my mom naturally went to the concert with my little sister, who, I mean, how old could you have been? Probably about 10. 
and you were knitting. You had a sweater draped over your shoulders and you were knitting a scarf in a church listening to your sister sing choir songs. Old before your time. Yes, I've always been that way. Truly. Uh, it's why I'm so good at talking about things that happened a long time ago that were horrible. It's like you were there. Exactly. Well, I'll wear the clothes that you want. Perfect. Great. Oh, yeah. You can wear all those crop tops and the the Oh, not a crop. Oh, no, 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 no. And in fact, those low-rise jeans can go straight away. Oh, my gosh. Not into it. I lived through that. The first time. Ugh. I'll keep my high... You can pry the high-rise mom jeans from my cold, dead hands. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Today, I wore Bermuda shorts that went up to my belly button, and I loved it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> okay. There has been a lot of controversy about just how many people lost their lives to the Sultana disaster. I will go over every single rewriting of the numbers, and... I'm not sure why exactly this was so hard for them to nail down. Although, okay, that's a lie. I think it's because everyone was skirting responsibility and the government didn't want to admit that they were irresponsible with trying to get these soldiers home. Uh, Anyways, the official count by U.S. Customs is 1,547 lives lost. For reference, that is 30 more than the Titanic. Which is the benchmark that you, <laughs> well, in every ship every, story, everyone. But just for the record, the Titanic was about three times bigger than the ship. Which, yeah, with the scale and the volume of people and customs provided those numbers? Yes. I know. I was surprised huh. by that, too. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, fortuitously, Memphis had been captured by federal forces in 1862 and converted into a supply and recuperation hub, so their hospitals had all the latest gadgets and gizmos that 1865 had to offer, which, let's be honest, were still probably pretty leeches. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. A leech for you. Let's let this woodpecker. What ails you? Here's a leech. Let this woodpecker. Just take a, take a look at your... No, never mind. That what? was weird. Cut it out. Cut it out. What? Wait, I, I'm trying to yes and you, but I don't. What? What? No, it's fine. I just took a left turn. Oh my god! I what? think I wanted to say blue jay, but I couldn't come up with a word, and so I went with woodpecker, what which always sounds jays? more sexual. Did, did doctors than use blue jays? I don't historically. Know. Have a headache? Let this blue jay you know peck at your eyeball or something. We're like used medically, right? I don't know. Cut it. Cut the whole thing. Cut I'm it not back. Cut it, cut I'm it keeping back. It in. Keeping it in. Oh, no. Okay. Anyways. Uh, but okay. So all of their hospitals really did have the latest and greatest of the day. So of the roughly 760 survivors that were taken to Memphis for medical treatment, only 31 died between April 28th when this happened and June 28th. Oh. Yeah. They did a very... shockingly good. Yeah. They did a very good job of taking care of people. 20 20 years later, survivors from Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio began attending reunions for Sultana survivors. Yeah. And they met every so often until only one person showed up one year, which was super depressing. So uh, the last survivor of the Sultana, Private Charles M. Eldridge of the 3rd Tennessee Calvary, uh, died at the age of 96 on September 8th, 1941. Because oh, the Civil War was not that long ago. Anytime you hear about Civil War survivors and you're like, it was 
so not long ago in this country's history. Exactly. We are so young compared to so many other countries. Yeah. Okay. So what happened here can basically be boiled down to fatal mismanagement. And greed. And greed. That's included. Implied. The boilers were in horrible shape. There was way too much strain on them, and the Mississippi was having a record year for, you know, water and such. More specifically, and as Wikipedia taught me about 19th century steamers, as the Sultana meandered her way up north through many twists and turns of the mighty Mississippi, she listed substantially from side to side. Remember, listing means tilting. Copy that. Yes. Just, just last time we did a boat disaster, you, you had a hard time with the concept. But now I've learned. Now I can I have capacity to learn other things because now I know that listing is going from... Thank you for reminding me, though, because I definitely didn't remember that. That's what I thought. Because all of the four boilers were interconnected and mounted side to side, if the boat tipped sideways, then the water would run out of the highest boiler. Starting over that sentence. With fires still going in the other boilers, this created hot spots, and when the boat would list the other way and water would refill the empty boiler that had increased in temperature, the hot spots would instantly flash into steam that created a huge and sudden increase in pressure. In essence, kaboom. A bomb. A bomb. A big old steamy bomb. That boat was like, guys, I'm done. I tried to tell you, but this girl, she's off duty. Yeah. Boom. It tried so hard. It pleaded. It begged it got for so help. Far. <laughs> but in the end, it doesn't, doesn't even really matter. matter. <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like this is an open and shut case of mismanagement and a little bit of bad luck because of the flood conditions. But here we are with yet another theory of what might have happened in, I know, I, but why not? Why not talk about it? Sure. In 1888, William Streeter claimed that his former business partner and Confederate General Robert Loudon confessed to using a coal torpedo on the Sultana. What is a coal torpedo? I did not look into that because I thought it sounded ridiculous. It sounds fake. And that's that is how you know this is a fake story because a coal torpedo doesn't exist. To be fair, Loudon was responsible for the use of a coal torpedo on another steamboat called the Ruth. So crazier things have happened. So cold torpedoes do exist. They do exist. I did not look into them at all because it didn't happen here. There what was the motive. What would the motive be? Was did, was he just like a? Well, he was a Confederate general, and he was peeved that oh. they were the losers. So I see. Yes, that that's motive. A piece of artillery shell was recovered from the sunken wreck, but most people think Loudon was full of it, and no one really pays him and his crazy claims any mind. Right, because, I mean, if there was any kind of fighting along that river, there would be... Yeah, I think people... There there would be a little bit more going on. I think we would have more uh, history about it. Yeah. There have been two other suggestions of sabotage, but they're dumb and not... They're not (laughs) true. Madison, the historian (laughs) expert, uh, is telling you that they are, in her professional opinion, dumb. I have unilaterally decided that they are stupid and we will not talk about them. (laughs) And all people's hard work that went into creating these theories, dumb. Well, it sounds like it was honestly a bunch of kind of racist and not so great Mm. people wanting to blame random uh, soldiers for sabotaging their own way home. And... It didn't happen. It just oh, didn't okay. happen. I see. Oh, yeah. Okay. Those sound like uh, garbage. Yeah. That's probably fair. Okay. Everyone accepts the official explanation of mismanagement and negligence. So 
Uh, but you may be wondering, whatever happened to that scamp, Captain Hatch, who was looking to profit off those pardoned soldiers with a nice kickback from Captain Mason? Um, kind of forgot about him until now, but yeah, now I'm curious. Great. Uh, with his long history of corruption and incompetence, it's no surprise that he was able to keep his position because of his older brother's close personal connection to Abraham Lincoln himself. Oh. I know. I know. Even with Lincoln gone at that point? No, there was still people there to like kind of protect him. And... He'd kind of been, he was able to be in this position to, to like bribe and like get all these soldiers on here mm-hmm. because he... He was able to stay in that position because of his older brother. So up until that point, and he had made enough friends in the political realm that helped him evade responsibility. Corruption that goes all the way to the top. Hatch was brought up on court martial charges at different times during his career, but his recommendations from Lincoln and General Grant helped him evade responsibility for any of the crap he was doing while the U.S. was falling apart. Wait, so he is a Navy captain? Because you said he's court-martialed. Yes. He's he, not a civilian captain. No. <gasps> yeah, he. I actually saw Ew. that when this happened, he left the service so he could not be uh, brought up on those charges. That definitely, um, I'm looking at him and the situation in a whole different... Okay, so back when I said that, so they did enlist the military to get the soldiers back. Yeah, I don't think. But then the yes. military solicited this third party yes. that was like, "Sir, you have a boat." I think they were offering it to anyone who was willing to do it. I see. I think Hatch were, was in the military and was like, "Hey, I know more about the situation. I know mm-hmm. the people who are making these decisions. If I can get them on your boat, give me a kickback." Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it just, wow. I know, it's very slimy. Yeah. Um, after the Sultana, he refused three subpoenas regarding the disaster, and he died in 1871. Yeah, so he just hmm. kept kept on going. It sounds like they there was a trial for the Union captain who was bribed, or I'm sorry, for the Union officer who was bribed to put all of these people on the one ship. They did go after him, and he was acquitted. Ultimately, he was found guilty and acquitted because they didn't want to. They didn't want to have to go after their own. Basically, yeah. Uh, so no justice, no accountability. Yeah. Oh, I wrote that down. I was saying that from memory. That's my next sentence. Let's see which <laughs> Wait, one's better. What I just said. No, what I said. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, the Union captain who accepted bribes to put the paroled prisoners on the Sultana was charged with overcrowding the vessel and found guilty. But that verdict was overturned by the judge advocate general uh, because the Union captain was at the parole camp and had not personally placed a single soldier aboard the Sultana, which is stupid. And what really happened is they just didn't want to go after their own. Oh. Still womp womp. Yeah. Captain Mason. uh, Same result. yeah. Yeah. Captain Mason, who is probably the most responsible person in all of this for not taking care of a ship, personally loading all of those men onto it, uh, he went down with the ship, or up with it, if we're being specific. I was going to say, probably, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Because the Civil War was so horribly awful, people got really used to reading about horrific battles and the scores of live lost every day. 
So this barely even made the paper. I'm sure they were like exhausted with the news and they were just like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of regarded as one of the lost tragedies of the war. It's one of the last big ones and no one really paid attention to it. Especially because Lincoln was killed not that long before. Yeah, it, it was, I guess. There was a lot happening in the news prior to that. Mm-hmm. And around, I mean, good grief. It's oh, it's overwhelm. It's, uh, it's fatigue. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, overwhelmingly. It's Which is like, not an excuse, but like, dang. Yeah. A temporary Sultana Disaster Museum was erected in Marion, Arkansas, which is the closest town to the buried remains of the boat. I'm not sure what the current status of that museum is because they were looking to get more funding to make it permanent. But that is the Sultana Disaster. In so you say buried remains? Did they? So they removed the remains from the? I think they were trying to salvage what they could. I, it looked like as recently as the 80s, they were still finding different things in the river i guess they have to move the biggest pieces just from uh travel like mm-hmm. because people use the mississippi to ship and go up and down we don't want like an evergreen situation huh the boat that was blocking the suez canal oh that was called the evergreen yeah you don't want that no oh i guess it was ever i think the ship was called evergreen but there was like ever given i can't remember ever given yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought it said Evergreen on the side. I'm not sure. It's That might have been the company. The ship might have been called Evergiven. Who knows? The big green ship that was blocking. Yeah. The, yeah. The canal with the tiny little tractor trying to dig it out of the sand. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I know. That tractor had a hard day that day. I know. That was the Suez Canal, right? I have. I, uh, I think Yeah, so. it was. Okay. Yeah, but anyways, yes, you're right. They had to clear as much as they could, but also it exploded, and then it burned, and then it sank. So they were working... Pretty violent. Yeah, there was a lot that was happening. With the wreckage, yeah, it's like what was left of the ship. It was just kind of like this half... Ugh, yeah. Wow, Moo, another, uh, not ship, boat disaster under your belt. Mm Mm-hmm. There it is. There she is. There it is. Um, are you trying to make me afraid of going on boats? A little ships? bit. Join me, please. No. Come into my fear circle. No, I don't think so. It's very... But you are getting close, I mean. <laughs> Am I making you more afraid to live in this world? <laughs> A little bit. A little bit. Well, if it helps, of all of the things we've talked about, other than Apollo 13, this is probably the least likely situation you will find yourself in um you don't know that i won't find myself on a rocket one of these days Uh, around the moon (laughs) that's right i thought your nasa days were behind you um they are and honestly i never ever wanted to go into space everyone's like oh you must want to be an astronaut and i was like no actually that is the last thing i want to do (laughs) do you know how many different ways space wants to kill you i cannot all sorts of different ways i cannot think of very many things i would hate more than going into space honestly no i would love the ride honestly i love roller coasters i think the sensation would be cool but the actual like once you're up there and you think about all the things that could go wrong and how you would most certainly die because of them going wrong it's just not no no i'm i'm not interested there i would i'm more interested in uh 
things that are just as catastrophic that happen down here on Earth, they're a little bit easier to study and talk about. I don't know. Because uh, it feels like you can get away from them, but if you're, like, in this tiny capsule or... Yeah. Oh, it's just so scary. Just so, so scary. Yep. I don't... Uh, okay. <laughs> what are your greatest fears? <laughs> Email us. Tell us. Email (laughs) us what your fears are. What keeps you awake at night? Uh, Now we're just a fear-based podcast. (laughs) Oh, man. That's how it feels sometimes. It does feel like that way sometimes. Um, But, yeah, here you go. There. Thank you. Another good one, Moo. Another one for the books. Uh, Truly, though, we would love to hear from you guys. We always love hearing from your emails. We do, we have gotten requests, and those are coming soon, right? Okay, listen, all right, here's what happened, is Mm. I was looking Mm. into one, and there is just not enough detail to do, oh, you just had, and I'm positive, was a little specter, a little ghost float across your screen. In my booth? Yeah. Right now? Yeah, I saw it. Okay. (laughs) My booth is haunted? Probably. Uh, Okay. It's one of them, there's just not enough detail for me to do, and I'm working really, really hard to do it, okay? And the other one requires me to watch. So many people have sent me some very helpful videos about how power grids work, and <laughs> guys, I'm doing my best, okay? I'm doing just my gotta best. just got to simplify, you know, like, uh, yes, who, who am I to tell you? You're the one who does the research. Yeah, maybe so. I'll make you do those. Maybe you no, do any of the recommendations. I don't think so. <laughs> it's awfully convenient. That's how, hey, that's how we set this podcast up. Those, them's the rules. I did agree to those terms of service. Yeah, you did. Okay. Anyways, I'm doing my best. We all are. We're all doing our best. And thank you for doing your best and for listening to our show. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, download, subscribe. Rate, uh, review. Rate and review. Tell your mom. Tell your friend. Tell, tell your dog. Tell your dog's groomer. Tell your dog's groomer's cousin that you met that one time at, I don't know. Just do it. Just tell everyone. Do it. Thank you guys so much for watching. Nope. Listening. Oh, you went into YouTube mode. (laughs) I went into YouTube mode. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you get your different side hustles mixed up? I did. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, I'm also looking at you on a screen. So I'm like, thank you so much for watching me. I mean, I am watching you. I'm you always are. watching you. You're always watching me. Thanks for listening. Oh, this is rough. This is a, this is a rough yeah. one. This is yeah. not our best work. No. Okay. You, you do the send off. Uh, thank you. <laughs> As always, guys, we appreciate it. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Good. Bye. Goodbye.